welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Iron Bowl week here for the SEC on CBS, and that's why we are so excited to break it all down for you. And we've got the best person on planet Earth who could possibly help us preview one of the biggest games in the college football season. It is Gary Danielson, the lead analyst for the SEC on CBS. Uh, Gary, you've gotten a chance with your time as in with the SEC on CBS to cover a lot of these big, colossal games. Uh, where, as you're starting to prepare yourself for the environment at Jordan-Hare, uh, where, what other games in this series or throughout your time with the SEC, you know, where does this stack up in terms of uh, the importance, the national championship implications, and then even maybe the intrigue in the matchup? Yeah, we you you are right. Uh, we we've been very lucky to do a bunch of big games, you know, in my it's my 12th year with CBS and you know all the big ones feel the same to tell you the truth. You know, whether it's LSU and uh Alabama or back in the day when Florida was playing LSU when they were both on top, uh you know that uh I think that SEC championship in uh 8, eight uh, 7 and 8 Let's see. Yeah, seven and eight when uh, Florida and Alabama were are going back to back years were huge with Tebow playing against them. So um, this feels a lot like thirteen. I have to admit, you know, I've run, done some of the reading. You know, I mean, uh, uh, playing at Auburn is a special place. It's a little bit smaller stadium. I say that you know, there's eighty thousand, right? But it seems it seems intimate. It really is a great home field advantage and. Uh, Especially, I don't know how to how to put it, but especially in November, when it starts the shadows and it gets dark in the late in the second half, really gives a great scene and really makes a, a, a dramatic scene for these games. So you get two great games and uh, teams. Um, it, it, I, I don't know how to say it. I feel pretty lucky, and it is fun to do these things. As you start to uh, as you start to look at where. Alabama is at coming into this game. Um, you know, the we we talked about them a little bit last week coming out of the Mississippi State game. They're starting to get uh, we believe just a little bit healthier uh, as we've seen Alabama throughout the season. You know, which Crimson Tide team are they are they at a point where you think that they can play some of their best football of the year in this tough spot in that tough environment? I think so. I think they're used to big football games. Um, you know, they, when you come to Alabama, you know, you know, each week you're playing in whoever you're playing a a big game for the opposite side. But in this type of game, when there's a lot at stake, I don't, you know, obviously there's no team in college football that is more used to playing in these big games. So uh, I think they are, I I don't know if they're uh, the same type of team that I've seen in the past, you know, they don't rush the passer as well as they have. And with the way Auburn runs their offense, they don't get as many chances to rush the passer. So it's all going to be, you know, can they control this Auburn diverse running game that, you know, Gus Malzahn's had some big successes against them. Uh, In 2010, when he beat it, uh, Alabama, with the great comeback by Cam Newton, they didn't really run the quarterback that successfully that day. They got way behind and Cam brought it back with a passing tack. But in 13, you know, they, they, they ran the ball well against them. So 
Um, they seem to be able to have an idea of how to attack the Alabama defenses. This one's a little different. They're not elite. Uh, you know, they're they're going to be a little bit different inside linebacker with Moses playing. You know, playing Mercer and playing Auburn's a lot different. I know he had a really good game against uh, Mercer in that game, but this will be a lot different. But um, and I don't think they quite have the depth at linebacker that they obviously did to start the season, but. You know, it's hard to hard to bet against a team that has this much, um, uh, I don't know, comfort in these games. This is like the New England Patriots playing in big games. It just does not phase them at all. So one of the concerns, obviously, though, uh, has arisen with Alabama is their, their linebackers, the injuries. You know, that's been talked about a lot. As I watched that Mississippi State game, it seemed like Rashawn Evans was directing a ton of traffic pre-snap. And, and – uh, as those new guys were, were getting their feet wet and getting comfortable, it seemed like, and maybe this is just a product of Mississippi State's offense, I'm curious your thoughts, but it seemed like they, they were still very much a work in progress, that linebacker position. Um, we've seen them get comfortable with those two injuries early in the year against Florida State and settle in. Is two weeks enough time for to lose a guy like Sean Deion Hamilton and, and, uh, and Mac Wilson and getting ready for a game like this against Auburn to where this linebacking court, your opinion, will be ready for the test in front of them? Well, remember Rashawn Evans, even though he's a brilliant football player and he was a difference maker uh, playing, uh, you know, even last year, even two years for Alabama, he was never a signal caller. So not only was he directing other players, he was in uncharted waters himself. I mean, uh, if you're trying to bring along a freshman and you're Sean Deion Hamilton, or you're C.J. Mosley, um, or you're, you know, Reuben Foster, you, you've been used to it. <clears throat> but, you know, that's not something Evans has done. This is his first year being a full-time starter, let alone being a signal caller. So, yes, that's going to be a little bit of a problem, and, it, and it's nothing easy about this Auburn offense for them. You know, they, they sugar huddle, they go no huddle, and then they go slow, uh, looking to the sidelines. So, uh, it, it's not an easy chore for a, um, an experienced signal caller, let alone Evans, who's really never done this. Uh, let's say it's going to be a little bit, you know, I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick played against uh, Mississippi State, but he didn't, to me, I just got done watching the game myself. He didn't look like the same Minka. They, they were positioning him where he didn't have to do a lot of running or rotating back into the deep safety position. Uh, you know, he... Uh, only zone, uh, only blitzed early one time that I can remember, and that was a run blitz. So Minka being more healthy and being his normal self should help the whole process as well as far as communication. And then the opposite, you know, one more thing, that game in Mississippi State, because of the crazy cowbells there, how loud it gets there, even though it's going to be loud in at Auburn, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad for the defense. So, um Listen, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I don't think they're going to be as sound as they would be if they had Sean Dean uh, out there. I, I thought he was a key part of the football team. I thought they re- he, his injury really hurt him in the national championship game, to tell you the Ooh. truth as well. Beyond that, and, and, and offensively, I mean, both these teams, um, you know, co- the quarterback position has been a, a focal point uh, and, and a big part of their success, as it is everybody. But I, where at this point in the season – as these two quarterbacks have evolved, 
Do you see an advantage on one side or the other? I know, I mean, Jalen Hurts, I think we all have been amazed by some of his big moments. But is Jared right. Siddham himself in, uh, sort of on equal footing at this point in the season with the way that, that, that Auburn's progressed? Well, you know, playing against Alabama, I, it, it's almost impossible to beat them if you don't get an efficient day out of your quarterback. Uh, you know, you'll take all the extras uh, that your quarterback can give you. But you better have one of those days where your quarterback, when he needs to throw, is hitting the easy throws. Uh, you know, Alabama is going to give you opportunities to complete passes. Uh, and if you're not on top of your game to hit that, you know, just take a kind of a par game for a quarterback, I think, against Alabama to have a chance, I would say would be 16 for 24. you got to be at that number if you're running the ball well. <clears throat> controlling the game. And I think Jared has really gotten comfortable with this offense now. He's got those throws that he makes, and he also brings the deep ball to the package. So, yeah, I think he's extremely positioned well to be the type of quarterback to have his game uh, to give the Alabama defense some problems. Is This Auburn defensive front has been so good uh, yeah. through the year and the Auburn defense probably, uh, you know, not probably pro- the Auburn defense was a great, uh, spark for what ended up being a runaway Auburn victory against Georgia, uh, just, uh, two weeks ago, as they go look at, uh, the Auburn rushing attack of which I include Jalen hurts. Do you think that they are intimidated or do you think that they have the bodies to be able to force Jalen hurts to beat them <laughs> through the air? No, I wouldn't say intimidated would be the word. You know, I think they're looking forward to it. You know, there's a lot of things that Auburn has going for them. And, and you hit on probably uh, number one, what they have is their front four is, is uh, disruptive. Uh, they penetrate. Uh, they played in, you know, you've got players that have played a lot of football and they are out to prove themselves. Now, you know, I, I don't think that they will be able to manhandle the Alabama offensive line as much as they did Georgia. I I thought they kind of, Georgia was almost in shock the way they were manhandled. But I do think that they could make it very tough on the Alabama run game and force Alabama to use Jalen Hurts more than they want to. Or, let's put it, more than they've wanted to in the past. I think for the first, you know, 10 games of the season, the – game plan was to get Jalen Hurts more used to playing the quarterback position without calling on him to be a runner in the offense, a primary runner. I think in this game, it doesn't matter. If they have to run Jalen Hurts 16 times with called plays, they will do it. Whatever they have to do, Alabama does to get their running game going. They know they have to do it because Alabama is still not confident. It's not just the disruption of the run game. Alabama will not be confident pass blocking this uh, Auburn fierce pass rushing outfit. So whatever they have to do to stay, you know, in that third and less than five situation, it, it doesn't matter. They're not going to count the carries for Jalen Hurts. So no, I I think there's no intimidation. In fact, number two thing that I think Auburn has going for them going into this game, they believe they can beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. You, Just the way. They don't have to change a thing. There's so many teams that go into the Alabama game and change their game plan to try to beat Alabama. I think Auburn walks in there, Gus Malzahn says, we don't have to change a damn thing. 
It's so what funny. What we you, got and what we do is good enough. You mentioned being ahead of the chains, and I just think back to that Georgia game again. Like, there's there's got to be more confidence with Brian Dable than Jim Chaney had in the third and long situations, given uh, the the established pass catchers that you've got, where Calvin Ridley's had a couple of big games here in the back stretch of the season, but also the right. the other players that are coming <laughs> on, along along during the year. You know, that's that's got to be a spot where. Uh, I imagine Alabama has a little bit more confidence against third and as strong as that Auburn pass rush can be. Uh, it's not going to have the crippling impact on gameplay and the play calling uh, that it necessarily did in that Georgia game. Did you see the LSU game? Mm. <laughs> Alabama couldn't pass block LSU. And I think Auburn's superior to LSU's pass rush. So um, I, 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 don't know if that's so true. I think Brian Dable the whole time, the whole game will be saying, how do I keep out of third and seven? Now, again, it's a different third and seven, not just because of the experience of, uh, you know, a Calvin Ridley or a Jalen Hurts in throwing the ball. I think the extra uh, dimension of Jalen Hurts running the ball on third down will be a lot different than Jake Fromm. Now, I know I haven't even gotten to Jalen Hurts yet because he, he's a, obviously a big wild card in this football game. But um, I, I really think that both teams are looking to say third down and a passing down. Auburn has a, a better matchup than even Alabama to put pressure on Jared Stidham has to bring zone blitzes and linebackers. They're not a great pass rushing team, Alabama, with their front four. So Jaylen, and I don't know how they. No, I don't know how they could be. I mean, they lost. You know, I mean, they lost Ryan Anderson, Tim Williams, and and, and Hand. I mean, that's uh, Jared Allen. The three players that are elite pass rushers. They they just don't have that type of front four this year. So Jalen so Hurts is the m- most important player on the field, right? Well, yes. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of important players on the field. Um, and and if we start with Auburn. Uh, number one is their disruptive front four. Number two is their veteran physical offensive line. Number three is Carrion Johnson. I mean, you go right down the, the one, two, three. Those that combination of those three can keep Auburn in this football game and control the football. You said you watched the, the Mississippi State game. Did did you watch it closely? Did you see the plays at the end of the first half? I think it was something like 40 to 19 Mississippi State because they were able to run the ball with a physical offensive line and a physical defensive line that gave Alabama problems. But you are correct. Alabama still has 75 four and five star players. And more importantly, they have the most clutch player in the SEC in Jalen Hurts, who's a wild card in his own. So, you know, it's a great matchup. I, it, I think it'd be a very tough matchup without Jer- Jalen Hurts on the field for Alabama. So what, what have you seen evolve from Auburn? We saw them against Clemson where they couldn't block yeah, anybody. I think, it, I think you'd toss that game out. First of all, five of those sacks were on Jared Siddham. He, he, it wasn't that they weren't blocking anybody. I mean, he was holding the ball forever and not getting rid of it. So, you know, it was one of those games. It was really... You know, you have to throw out their first game. It was really his first game on a big field. And, you know, that's an elite pass rush team. And he wasn't ready. Auburn's offense wasn't ready for that game. You know, if they play them 
in game number nine rather than game number two, first road game, uh, it may look different. Okay, but I I think that was uh, you know kind of uh, an awakening for for Jarrett of like whoa I'm a little more rusty than I thought. The question of what will be Gus Malzahn's strategy with his hurry up no huddle is a big is an interesting part going into this game because there has been the common belief um, and and recent history of Clemson rolling up all those plays against Alabama. And, you know, getting it, you know, part of it was due to Alabama's inefficiency and three and outs by their own offense, especially in the second half. But you're looking at a couple of blueprints here. Do you go fast and try to wear Alabama down? There's a lot of people saying, you know, that's right into Gus's wheelhouse. That's how he got the job. That's what he likes to do. But if you go to the Mississippi State game, Mississippi State ran – I just counted it and charted it myself. It was either 38, 39, or 40 plays in the first half. They huddled and bled the clock on every play. They went as slow as they could and ran 40 plays. And it's very interesting now what Gus tries to do. He's only got really one running back. (laughs) You know, he's got a, really, he doesn't want to replace anybody in his offensive line. Uh, you know, he, is it his advantage to go fast or is it his advantage to go slow like Dan Mullen did and rest his line and peck at him? Because it became very evident watching Mississippi State. They go, uh-uh, we are not getting into a run and shoot with these guys. We're going to get in the huddle. We're going to figure out who to block and we're going to block them. And Mississippi State blocked them. Now, I don't, you know, this this is, uh, I, I think the Auburn offensive line is, probably more physical than Mississippi State. But I do think Alabama coming off that LSU game was a little bit, you know, uh, short. I think you're going to see a much better front four run defense by Alabama in this game, which I think, by the way, is the key to the football game. Can Alabama's front, call call it six, because it's their two inside linebackers and their front four, can they control carry on Johnson? Because if they do, I think they can win this game. But, you know, usually when you think about a team that's trying to shorten the game and, and possess the football and limit possessions, it's a, it's a team that's sort of trying to uh, compensate for maybe a talent mismatch and, and, and try to just, you know, take advantage of their limited opportunities. But you could probably make a case, because as you were saying that, I was thinking, well, we'll learn something about how good Auburn thinks they are based on how they that how they Correct. But Correct. Couldn't you make a I do not. That- I don't. Be, I don't believe they're going to be all out. Now, listen. It, it doesn't mean they won't. I, I look. Let's suppose they have a normal first half of thirty-five plays. I think you'll see six uh, to maximum eight hurry-up plays. That's my prediction going into the game. Because right, I think they're going to want to get in that huddle. They're going to want to. They think you go fast sometimes too. You also you're doing it on second down because you just you know you you make a good first down play and you come back on second down. And they want to avoid third. And they just don't want passing situations. So I think they're going to be very careful how they uh, approach this game. But that Auburn offensive line against you know Alabama's defensive front six has to stop the run. Carryon Johnson can't go for 140 yards on these guys. Because Gus will get that playbook in his advantage and start with the play action passes and the jet sweeps connected and the play and the deep balls and the screens 
and and it, it could be a long day. I don't expect that to happen. I think the Alabama front four will play its best game of the year. It's going to be fun. Um, it will. Outside of the Iron Bowl, I'm curious your take on who's got a more likely opportunity to pull an upset over the weekend. Is it South Carolina over Clemson or is it Georgia Tech over Georgia? Oh, I, <laughs> that I wouldn't. I, I don't think South Carolina can be Clemson, but I, I I think Georgia Tech's playing really poor football. You know, I mean, um, wasn't it just Army beat Georgia? Didn't Army just Duke. beat Duke? Duke just handled Georgia yeah. Tech, right? You know, so maybe they gained some experience by facing that and was able to to take that into the next game. So. Um, I would say if there's any chance, if you had to, I had to bet on one, I would probably take South Carolina, but it would be, what are their, um, 75 games. I mean, that would be number 74 and 75 in my betting, betting pattern for upsets this week. I, I don't really think either one of them will lose. Jake Bentley at home at night. That's a good quarterback in a rowdy stadium that wants to beat their hated rival. Yeah, I I get you. I just I watched them play, and I I just like Clemson. I really do. I think Clemson will be ready to go in this football game. That's true. Uh, Dabo Sweeney certainly with a lot of experience in that spot. Uh, in the Egg Bowl, uh, a very interesting spot for Mississippi State. They're playing at home. Right. Uh, it's going to be you know the senior uh, the seniors that have had uh, a lot of winning. They came in under the success of Dak Prescott. They've been able to have another successful season, eight and three, nine and three, if they're able to win. But uh, the hot topic in this game, I think, for the conversation and and as we're watching it, is going to be on the sideline and with the future of Dan. Mullen. Mullen, um, you know, where do you, do you think that Dan Mullen in this spot might be coaching his last regular season game for the Bulldogs? Not so sure about that. Dan's got, a, I think, building a nice program right there. You know, I, uh, he's got a nice quarterback recruit coming in for him. Um, not exactly. I mean, I don't know exactly what he's looking for walking into, you know, Tennessee or I don't, it doesn't sound like he's on the front page of the Florida situation uh, uh, right now. You know, it could change, I guess, if uh, Chip or it doesn't work out. But uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, to tell you the truth. He seems pretty darn happy. I like the way he's building his program. He's getting better players every year than he used to get before. Um, it, it, it's hard to say. What I, I'm waiting for another one of these guys. To, to do what, you know, Barry Alvarez did or, you know, or it, it just say, you know what, I want to build my own program right here. Uh, and uh, I think I can do it right here at Mississippi State. And I do agree with you. Dak Prescott's success has, has really um, allowed uh, Dan Mullen to get into houses he could never get into before and recruit. And, and he, he seems to get some pretty strong kids there in the offensive and defensive lines. I've got my fingers crossed that he's going to stay right there and continue to build that Mississippi State program. I think he's got a good team coming back next year with Nick Fitzgerald. And and by the way, I don't, I don't hope I'm not breaking any news here. I hope you've heard the same thing. But I, I do. I did have heard that Shea Patterson is going to be going to the Michigan-Ohio State game this weekend. And, and if there are sanctions against Ole Miss, he would be a free agent to transfer. <sighs> Yes. Hey, 
Jordan Tamu is, is not a bad uh, – Not, a not bad, bad. Not a bad player. Exactly. Looks pretty good, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, let's envision a scenario in which Chip Kelly is at Florida uh, and, and they, they go down that road and, and, and that becomes official. Uh, what does Florida look like with Chip Kelly? How close are they, in your opinion, based on who's on the roster, the quarterbacks um, at his disposal? Right, right. Can he get it going right away or is it going to take a, a couple years? I think he can get it going right away. I think there are a lot of good football players. Jim McElwain has recruited well. He knew he had a good team coming back. They played a lot of young defensive players. Um, yeah, they, you know, they got starting two freshman corners. They're going to be very aggressive. And, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Chip could make this overnight one of those teams that's, you know, is a, a contender in the East. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he could do that. That's going to look, it's going to be a little different for the league. And I don't, I think Chip has probably learned a little bit with his time in the, uh, NFL that, it, that this league might be slightly different than it was playing in the Pac-12 because of the, you know m- you know by times ten more NFL defensive linemen in this league than there is in any of the other conferences, especially the Big 12 or the Pac-12. But I still think he's a pretty in- innovative coach and he's got a lot of talent sitting around there and he might even be able to grab a transfer quarterback that's that's ready to play in this system that has some experience. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't bet against uh, Chip Kelly being able to turn that Florida thing around very, very, very quick. In fact, you know, this year, if, if Florida could have got some different quarterback play, they would have been pretty dangerous themselves. And that, you know, that's part of the game, obviously. But uh, I, I, I really think that that could be a great overnight story for someone that goes in there and, and turns the switch on for those great athletes. Who could be his trigger man like could, is there a quarterback on his roster right now that you think could could operate that offense or is that going to have to be a, a freshman or a transfer i mean shoot a shea patterson <laughs> if that if that becomes available he's the type of it, guy it's it, it's possible i don't know what shea's thinking you know he right now there's a lot of uh, spots open i don't know if shea's thinking you know i'm not you know i don't i want to look for a spot where i can learn to be an nfl style quarterback but right. you know the success that marcus Mariota's had in the in the other league it, it's I think you can go anywhere now and, and take, if your game is good enough, can take it to, to the NFL. So I, I think anything's possible, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I don't, it's not going to be Felipe Franks. We know that. I mean, you know, that, that wouldn't work in this offense, I don't think. So it would have to be somebody uh, maybe from outside the program or, uh, you know, maybe one of the receivers that, you know, what's really interesting is uh, when you see something like that happens, at Arizona, you know, a player that's basically coming, you know, be through injury. You don't even hear about him for two, two games, three games. And all of a sudden it's a, a glorified running back wild uh, cat type situation in Arizona. And even the story at uh, Iowa state where the third string quarterback is all of a sudden playing Matt Canada's, uh, uh, um, yeah, his, his spread at Iowa state. That That's a, uh, pretty interesting so I, I just got to believe there's somebody there I, I could put my finger on him maybe he's playing defensive back for all hey, I know right now the, the the young receiver he was a, a high school quarterback they, they put him in some wildcat this year I don't know if yeah. I don't know if he could do it or not but he's, he's certainly got some some history playing quarterback in high school and let, let's put it this way we've watched Florida play quarterback for a long time it can't be any worse than what we've been watching right there's no, no question There is absolutely no question about that. Uh, He is Gary Danielson. You will hear him on the call for one of the biggest college football games of the year. It is Alabama is at Auburn. The winner 
gets to go to Atlanta for the SEC championship game, which will also be on CBS on December 2nd uh, from Atlanta. And that is going to be likely a play-in game to the college football playoff. The stakes won't get any bigger. Uh, and our guest, Gary Danielson, thank you so much for helping take us through it all. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Gary.